Let's take a moment to pray this morning before we hear the scriptures and reflect on them. Let's ask God to be with us as we do that. Holy Spirit, we cry out to you asking you to be with us. Um, We have said so often in this morning's worship service that our confidence is not in ourselves, but it is in you. And so we come now to a time to hear from the scriptures, and we're reminded that our confidence in knowing the Father who loves us, in knowing Jesus, the Savior who redeems us, in knowing you, Holy Spirit, who comforts us, we're confident that we can know you, not because of anything about us, but because you speak truth in the scriptures, and you give us light to understand what you have spoken. Some of us today are so weary that our attention span is incredibly limited, and we may only be able to focus for three or four minutes of a half-hour message. Lord Jesus, would you be with your people and, and focus their attention on the right three or four minutes for each one? We pray that you would draw near to us and do that so that we could know you more. We ask in your name, Jesus, our Savior. Amen. So we've been learning over the past several weeks and will continue for a few more weeks learning about evangelism, our calling to speak good news about Jesus to our neighbors. We've been learning more about this by seeing how the good news about Jesus spread in the early decades of the Christian church through the book of Acts. Today we're reading from Acts chapter 16. We're about the year 50 A.D. The Apostle Paul is on a second tour spreading this good news about Jesus throughout the Mediterranean basin. You'll see on this map that he's... uh, following this kind of purple line that runs north over what the Romans called the province of Asia. We know this area as Turkey today. And westward uh, into Greece and there to a key city, the city of Philippi. And in that city, the plan, as it has been in almost every other city that Paul visited, preaching good news about Jesus, was to find a synagogue a gathering of people who had known God through the Scriptures, but who had not yet heard the good news about Jesus. That was the plan. Find a synagogue, interact with the people that you find there, and and kind of use that as a home base for a few weeks or months to share this good news about Jesus. But that plan doesn't work out. Let's see what happens instead as we hear a Scripture reading from Acts chapter 16. Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothracia, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days, and on the Sabbath day we went outside the gate to the riverside, 
where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia, from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized, and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And thanks to Megan. appreciate you reading the scriptures for us this week. Um, you can't see it right now, and even if we were in the room together, it would be hard to tell, but I'm wearing socks that say A Christmas Story on them. That's one of uh, my favorite movies. If you are familiar with this story, you know the character of Ralphie, and you know that Ralphie's core commitment, the thing he lives for, the thing he thinks about the first moment he wakes up, and the thing he thinks about through the whole day and before he goes to bed is a BB gun. Not just any BB gun, but a Red Ryder carbine action, 200-shot range model air rifle with a compass in the stock and a thing that tells time. And you hear that phrase over and over and over again throughout this movie because it is, it is what makes Ralphie's heart beat. But you come to this scene in the movie. It is a Christmas story after all. And at Christmas time, he, his parents take him and his brother Randy down to the local department store to meet Santa Claus. And, and Santa asks Ralphie, what do you want for Christmas this year, little boy? And, and Ralphie has a panic moment. And in that moment of panic, he forgets the thing that means the most to him. And he mumbles uh, football? As Christians, believers in the Lord Jesus, our core commitment is to the gospel. The gospel is that, that's a word that just means good news. Good news that Jesus is the Lord who does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Let me say that again as one summary of this gospel that is our core commitment. Jesus is the Lord who does for us what we can't do for ourselves. That's the thing that should be in our minds when we wake up in the morning and in our hearts throughout the whole day and on our lips as the day comes to a close. It's our heartbeat, this sense that, Jesus, nothing about me is whole and no one else can make me whole except you. Human efforts can't do it. Human traditions can't make me whole. There's no human institution that can make me whole. I can't do this for myself. Nobody else can do it for me. You alone can make me whole. Only you. You are the Lord who can do for me what I cannot do for myself. That is our heartbeat. That's our core commitment. But we have our moment of panic. If somebody says evangelism, a lot of Christians panic. And we think, oh no, somebody needs to be made whole and it's all up to me. The only resources I can rely on if I'm going to speak good news about Jesus to other people are my resources and mine alone. Why is it that when it comes to believing the good news, we say it's all about relying on Jesus, but when it comes to evangelism, speaking the good news, we so often feel that it's all about relying on ourselves 
So today, what I want to do is tell you good news about speaking good news. Good news about evangelism. Jesus is not only the Lord who does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. He is the master evangelist who does through us what we cannot do by ourselves. That's why it's so important to listen to this key line from today's scripture reading. We read the story of Paul and his friends, Timothy and Luke, who are traveling into Greece, and they, and they come to the city of Philippi, and their plan is to find a synagogue and to speak there about Jesus, as they've done in so many other cities. They go outside the gate to Riverside, verse 13 says, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. We, we supposed there would be a synagogue there. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. There wasn't a synagogue. There was a gathering of women. And um, in, in Jewish thought in the first century, it took 10 men to form a synagogue. You could have nine men and a hundred women and still not have a synagogue. And so for whatever reason, there is not a gathering of men and women here. There are women. There's no synagogue. And yet, Paul and Timothy and Luke sit down and speak to the women who had come together. One of them is named Lydia. And verse 14 says, The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. The Lord opened her heart. Jesus is the master evangelist. Paul had to speak. Read the whole verse. What was said by Paul. Paul had to speak and Lydia had to listen. She paid attention to what was said by Paul. But the Lord opened her heart. Jesus is the master evangelist who does through us what we cannot do by ourselves. This is consistent with what the Holy Spirit shows us throughout the rest of this book of Scripture, the Acts of the Apostles, it is called. If we were to look at chapter 18, verse 27, we see this verse talks about Barnabas, who travels to a city and greatly helps those who through grace had believed. Through grace from Jesus, people had come to believe this good news about Jesus. Jesus is the master evangelist. Barnabas has a role to help those who have come to faith in Jesus, but Jesus is the one who gives us grace to believe. We go backward a bit in the same chapter, chapter 18, and uh, the Apostle Paul is now in the city of Corinth. And there's lots of discouragement and challenges for him. And, and Paul sees a vision. And, and we read the text, the Lord, that's Jesus. The Lord Jesus said to Paul one night in a vision, do not be afraid, but go on speaking. And do not be silent, for I am with you. For I have many in this city who are my people. For those of you who like to pay attention to these details, the title of this sermon series is, I Have Many in This City. It comes from this verse. Jesus is the master evangelist. Paul keeps speaking because Jesus gives him strength and courage to do so. 
Paul keeps speaking because Jesus has many people in the city who belong to him. And Jesus wants to use Paul to speak the words through which Jesus will open their hearts. This throws us all the way back to the very beginning of the book of Acts, the first couple of verses of the book. Luke, the uh, writer of Luke's gospel, also writes the book of Acts, which is why sometimes in Acts you hear references to what we did because Luke was traveling with Paul on some of his journeys. The text we read for today is an example of that. As Luke begins to write the book of Acts, he says, In the first book, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up into heaven. Well, the implication of that verse is really staggering. Jesus began to do and teach some things during his earthly ministry and before his crucifixion and after his resurrection for 40 days as he taught his apostles. And then he ascended into heaven and he continued to do and to teach many things. I wrote about what he began to do and teach, and now this book of Acts is about what Jesus continued to do and teach as his people spread throughout the world, taking good news about him into so many places. Jesus is behind the scenes, always at work. He is the master evangelist. Remind us of how he said it earlier. Jesus is the Lord who does for us what we can't do for ourselves. But that same gospel rhythm applies to evangelism. Jesus is the master evangelist who does through us what we can't do by ourselves. Now, in the minds of some people, saying that about Jesus and his role in opening people's hearts so that they could have grace to believe good news about him, sounds like a recipe for laziness. Like, really? If Jesus is the master evangelist, I'm just going to let him take care of it because he's way way better at this than I am. So I'm just going to sit back and let Jesus do his thing. This is not how Jesus works in the world. Right? Right? Jesus came into the world in a body and he spoke words that could be heard by people. And now how does he continue his work in the world? Through bodies, through us, through voices that speak and can be heard by others. Jesus is doing his work in the world through his people. So instead of this concept that Jesus is behind the scenes, always at work, he's the master evangelist making us lazy or or making us passive, it actually gives us a, a, a level of confidence that can solve some really practical problems. I'd like for us to take a moment to unpack some of those problems. Let's see some of the core common problems that impact us as we think about sharing good news about Jesus with other people and see how it helps to know that Jesus is with us, that he is always at work, and that he can use us and do through us what we could never do alone without him. The first problem 
Not surprisingly, we've been praying about it, singing about it all morning long, is pride. Pride sounds a bit like this when it comes to evangelism. I have figured out the perfect way to share good news about Jesus with other people. I have learned a method. I have mastered a skill. There is a discipline, and I am darn good at it. And so I know this is going to work because I'm going to do it right. Now, this, of course, is not an argument against learning disciplines. It's not an argument against developing skills. It's not an argument against training to get better at something that we uh, want to become more confident at. But it is an argument against assuming that our efforts at speaking good news about Jesus to other people are going to work because of us. Notice the key word in this key sentence that we referred to earlier, the word Paul. The Lord opened Lydia's heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. Jesus did not use Paul because Paul was so good at evangelism. Paul was not good at telling other people about Jesus. Paul was good at persecuting people who believed in Jesus. If you remember the whole story, right? It's, it's only a few chapters back in this book of Acts that we read about Paul, a persecutor of Christians. He was good at believing that Jesus was a fake and a fraud. He was not good at telling people about Jesus. He was good at laughing at the idea that Jesus might be the Son of God. Paul was good at rejecting Jesus. Jesus is not using Paul because he is good at it and he's got it figured out. Jesus comes to Paul and says, I want to prove through you to the whole world that I am a gracious Savior. Paul's approach throughout this whole book is not, I don't need Jesus because I know how to do this right. His approach throughout his whole ministry is, if Jesus can love even me, he can do anything. If Jesus, through grace, could open my heart to embrace him as my Lord, then there is nobody who is beyond his reach. Do you, see, do you see this rhythm here? Some people would say, mm, this, this verse here, the Lord opened her heart. It sounds dangerously like we're tiptoeing around this, this Christian understanding of predestination. And, and predestination is this thing that says there are only some people who can know Jesus and others there's no hope, and so why bother but if you read the scriptures, what it teaches us about the Lord's sovereignty and bringing people to himself is actually supposed to have the opposite impact on us. It would say to us, there is no one who is too far gone. There is no one, there is no one that Jesus couldn't call to himself. And so, if he can love even me, he can do anything. 
instead of pride, this notion that Jesus is the master evangelist who opens the hearts of people. It causes us to trust him and the power of his grace to do through us what we could never do by ourselves. Pride is one of the problems that impacts us when we think about evangelism, speaking to other people good news about Jesus. Maybe that's not your problem. Maybe you're at the other end of the spectrum and the problem that you uh, deal with is despair. There's no point. This is impossible. I'm clueless, so why bother? This is never going to work because I'll never get it right. The people I know are just not interested in anything religious, or if they're interested in something religious, it's not Christianity. There's no point. Don't you realize we live in the 21st century? Words don't work anymore. It would work better to put a screen in front of somebody. Why should I bother? We can throw up so many barriers and roadblocks, reasons why. Jesus couldn't use me, right? We've got to come back to another key word. Let's read that key sentence again from verse 14. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. I want to press in on that word her for a moment because it tells us Paul's plan is not going right. There is no synagogue. Read verse 13 again. On the Sabbath day, when a synagogue would be gathering and assembling for a service of worship, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer. Well, we thought there'd be a synagogue here, but instead, as we said earlier, we don't find a synagogue. We find a gathering of women who worship God. These are probably Jewish women or uh, Greek women who have converted to Judaism, and yet they themselves don't form a synagogue. There's no formal worship service happening here. This is not the kind of networking that has worked so well in so many other cities on Paul's journeys. The fact that, that it's a group of women gathered here tells us that Paul's plan isn't going right. And so, if he and Timothy and Luke were listening to the voice of despair, they would have said something like this, why did we even bother coming here? Why did we bother coming to a city that doesn't have a synagogue? Let's just pack up our bags and move on to the next place. Come on, Timothy. Come on, Luke. Let's blow this popsicle stand. Our plan's not working It's never going to work. This is terrible. What were we thinking? That's the voice of despair. But if we've been reading the book of Acts carefully, we know from chapter 1, verse 1, Jesus is still doing and teaching. He is still at work behind the scenes. We know Jesus, the master evangelist, is at work. And so Paul and Timothy, and Luke, well, they do what the text says they did. They sit down and they speak to the women who had come together. 
The plan may not be unfolding perfectly, but their attitude is one that says, this is where God has put us. These are the people he is connecting us with. This is the opportunity he's given. Let's take it and trust Jesus to use it as part of his work. We, we don't have to have perfect plans. We don't have to be able to predict the future and know exactly how these conversations are going to go. We don't have to sort of line up our target, our target audience perfectly and speak good news about Jesus only when everything fits inside the parameters. We are not Luke Skywalker piloting that X-wing and waiting for the target to lock in so that we can fire the gospel missile. No. <laughs> we say, God, where have you put us? Who are you connecting me with? What is the opportunity you have given? I will take it. Not because everything's perfect. Not because I've got it all figured out. I'm going to trust Jesus, the master evangelist, and his power to work even through our weakness. Jesus can do through us things that we could never do by ourselves. Even words spoken that don't seem to go according to plan. Even when we find ourselves saying, I don't know the perfect answer to this person's question. It's okay. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. Paul spoke. Not because he was full of pride, not because he was full of despair. Because he was trusting Jesus to be at work behind the scenes. One last problem, manipulation. You know this problem. This is the problem that says, I know a way to pressure you into listening to what I'm gonna say about Jesus. I know a way to trick you into hearing what I have to say. This is gonna work because I know how to game the system. I was reading this week a, a story about a, a man who lived in a, a midwestern uh, state and uh, there was a, a uh, amusement park nearby and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to substitute the name Six Flags here because that's an amusement park that we're familiar with that's near to us but this man uh, would strike up conversation with visitors in town he would say do you know the way to Six Flags and uh, as though he were a visitor and didn't know how to get there, do you know the way to Six Flags? And he would wait for them to give the answer. Well, you know, you, you, you get on 85 and you follow it west and you, you skirt around here and you look for this exit and, oh, thank you very much, but do you know the way to heaven? This is a manipulative kind of conversation. The first question is not genuine at all. I, I don't care to know how to get to Six Flags. I'm just being dishonest. I'm really trying to set you up so that I can say what I want to say about Jesus. Every one of us knows a story like that, a story that would 
make us embarrassed to be a Christian. Yes, my people are like that sometimes. Yes, that man really is my brother in Jesus. And I, I, I appreciate his, his zeal for Jesus. I, I, I appreciate his desire that other people would hear about Jesus, but I'm embarrassed to know that, that sometimes my people use manipulation like that. Or if it doesn't embarrass you as a follower of Jesus, maybe you're not a Christian and it's just one more reason to be skeptical about the whole thing. Like if you really believed this message about Jesus is true, then you wouldn't have to trick people into listening to it. If you were more confident that it's real, then you wouldn't have to fake your way into conversations about it. Confidence that Jesus is the master evangelist who's always at work, it, it really ought to, it ought to result in the fact that we, we love people enough to be honest. We don't have to manipulate. We don't have to pretend or trick anyone into hearing about him. We can love people by treating them with integrity. So, for example, I think I've shared with you before a couple of times when I've had opportunity to, um, to answer the question of someone who's getting married, what, what's the main thing I need to know um, as I get ready to be married? And I want to say two things to that person in that moment. One, I want to say, learn how to forgive each other because you will hurt each other. And you will need to know how to apologize and forgive one another. Number two, you cannot forgive someone else unless you have been deeply forgiven yourself. And I want to be able to say to that person, as a Christian, that's what we believe about Jesus. The reason we can find strength to forgive others is because he has forgiven us. Now, in that moment... What I'm trying to do is not manipulate my way into an excuse to talk about Jesus. What I sincerely hope I'm doing is giving someone good practical advice that will be useful to them, even if they never believe in Jesus at all. It still is true that they need to learn how to forgive someone if they're going to be married. I hope that's helpful for someone and loving. And then it's honest to go on to say, Strength to forgive like that has to come from somewhere. Where does it come from? Instead of manipulation, we trust Jesus and his power to work through love. One question for you this morning. Have you ever needed a back scratcher? You know, it might be made out of plastic or metal. Um, They make one that looks a lot like a rake called a redneck back scratcher. It might be sort of something inexpensive made out of bamboo, and, uh, but it's, it's about this long, and it's to solve that one problem. I can reach all the itches, but there's that one spot right between my shoulder blades that I just can't get to. My arms will never be long enough. My elbows and shoulders will never work in the right way, and of course, that's the spot that always itches. 
Sometimes Christians think about evangelism in that way. Jesus can make everything whole. He can scratch all the itches, but there's this one place he can't reach. It's called evangelism, and there I'm all on my own. The good news today is you are never on your own. Jesus, the master evangelist, is always with you. He opens your heart to trust him. He will use your words to open the hearts of other people to trust him. When you believe the good news about him, he is always ready to do for you what you can never do for yourself. And when you speak good news about him, he is always working to do through you what you could never do by yourself. That is the good news from Jesus about sharing good news with others. Let's take a moment and pray together. Lord Jesus, we give thanks to you that you never leave us alone We give thanks to you that we don't need some kind of gospel backscratcher because you're always with us except for this one time that you're not. We give thanks to you that the rhythm of the gospel applies to speaking the gospel. It applies to every area of life. That there's never going to be a panic moment when we have to fall back on our own resources because you have abandoned us. We give thanks to you, and we pray that this confidence would lead to more conversations this week happening around Atlanta about you, because you are always at work. We pray these things in your name. Amen.